I know the next generation of leaders are going to be really purpose-focused compared to my generation, right? They're going to be equality-minded and they're going to be fearless because I already see it now. The next generation, they're just fearless. And I, I think there's this kind of passion to really create a new world. And I'm really hopeful Me for too. what's next. Fierce Lab is a podcast series for women. It's powered by the Tara Wilson Agency, the agency that gets women. It's a space to focus on our whole selves, from mental health to career development to financial intelligence. To be fierce is to be confident, capable, and strong. Fierce Lab offers inspiration, tools, and community. It's where we can explore new ideas and encourage discovery. Here, trying something new is celebrated. No one has it all figured out, but together, we can step fiercely into what's next. On this episode of Fierce Lab, I'm joined by Lan Fan, founder of Community of Seven. Lan has built a community around workshops like Let's Talk and micro learnings where women can come together and learn how to advance their career and really step into their own power to change the world. She gives us a lot of great resources in this podcast. I encourage you to check out the show notes in the description and then send us a DM on Instagram, Fierce Lab, to let us know what you think. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Fierce Lab. I'm your host, Tara Wilson. And I'm joined by Lan Fan. She is the founder of Community of Seven, and she's also got this phenomenal background in marketing. Lan, I am so glad you're joining me today. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, Tara. I'm so excited to be here. And you're joining me from the East Coast. You're in Westchester County, New York, correct? Yes, I am. Great. So for our listeners who aren't familiar with Community of Seven, could you give us a brief overview of your organization? Yes. So there's really two parts of Community of Seven. There's our membership community, which has, which has two parts, our core community, which is our invite-only membership, and our supporter membership, which is open to all growth-minded individuals. At its essence, Community of Seven is really about bringing people together to change the world. So it's an intersectional, purpose-driven community of members that are executives, founders, thought leaders, and change makers. And our members understand at its core that before they can become change makers, they need to really be in alignment with their values, purpose, and personal development. And personal development is really core to Community of Seven. The second part of Community of Seven is really helping our corporate clients create communities of belongingness at their organization. So we do coaching circles, mindset training, and community building for, you know, big Fortune 500 companies as well as smaller companies as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I have to ask, why seven? What's that about? <laughs> so that's a great question, which actually kind of has a funny story. So I started Community of Seven last year. And prior to that, I was at Fortune Magazine and I was recruited by Alan Murray, who's the CEO of Fortune, to create a startup within Fortune, had a multi-million dollar budget, was supposed to hire this huge team. I was on hire number five, and then COVID happened. And then I got laid off, and I was told that I had to lay off my entire team. And some of them had left jobs to come work for me. Mm. 
That had to be tough. Yes. I was in a depression. It was really bad. That was probably one of the toughest experiences I've had. Just Not just me losing my job, but the fact that these people left jobs to come work with me and now I have to let them go. One person had left their job a week prior and now they're getting laid off. And so what I told my team was, we're now going to pivot. And so we met three times a week and I was like, we're moving our mission from creating a startup because my goal was what I was tasked to do was literally go from ideation to product launch of a new business within a company in six months, which is really ambitious. And then I said, we're now pivoting and we're going to find all of you guys your next job or I'm going to start my own business and hire you guys back. And so, you know, there was five of us plus me makes six. This was during COVID. So this is when everything shut down. So everything was virtual. So my daughter, Morgan, who was five at the time, would join all of our calls. So that's kind of where a community of seven came. Like, so I was in this depression for seven days. My daughter kind of got me out of it. She had said something so innocent. And it was just like, mommy, I love you, even without a job. And the other thing she said is, you know, one day I'm going to become a boss and hire you. (laughs) And so she kind of got me out of my stupor because I was like, okay, I got to pull up my big girl panties and figure it out. And so I woke up on the seventh day and the notion of community of seven came. So, you know, initially it was kind of in honor of this group of seven of us meeting. So that's a community of seven. But what I tell my corporate clients is that seven is the ideal number for any kind of meeting where you want to be productive. If you've ever been to a, a really unproductive you know, meeting or kickoff call where there's too many people and nothing gets done, seven is the ideal number for any meeting and product productivity. Each person you add beyond seven loses its productivity by 10%. So that is my business reason for Community 7. Mm-hmm. Well, I love that. I love how you've tied your personal meaning of the organization and the name of the organization, but also you have found this nugget of powerful information and a powerful insight for why it makes a business case. That's great. Before we dig in even further to the work that you and the community are doing, I want to go back. I said something when I was teeing up the conversation that you have this long-founded career path in marketing, but I want to take our listeners back before that. So you're a Stanford grad and you have a master's degree from Harvard in teaching and curriculum. So how did your degrees, or how did how did your degrees, plural, uh, prepare you for a career in marketing? I mean, teaching and curriculum, that feels a little bit, maybe a little bit off the path of marketing. Yes, yes. And when I was at Stanford, my undergraduate degree was actually in psychology. And I did my honors thesis on Southeast Asian gangs. So no correlation between that and teaching (laughs) curriculum. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I've always had an untraditional background. So, you know, as you uh, mentioned, professionally, most people know me as a marketer or someone in the membership and community space because I've been doing it for over 20 years. You know, and I mentioned most recently, I was at Fortune Magazine helping them build, you know, a startup within Fortune. Prior to that, I was a general manager of See Her, which is a gender equality initiative for the, uh, for the advertising industry. 
And then I helped build the CMO Master Circle and at the Association of National Advertisers. Also been on the agency side and in various roles from CMO to chief networking officer. Then I was on the agency side for several years. And But as you mentioned, I started my career actually as an educator. And I was really passionate about teaching and curriculum development. Essentially, how do people truly learn? And how do we create equality through education? I'm not going to go too long on that. But long story short, I got jaded and I left academia in my early 20s. You know, I was planning to get my PhD, but I got jaded and left. And then I became a serial entrepreneur for several years. I created a successful music agency called The Hype Agency. We were one of the main booking agents for Coachella during its nascent years in Bonnaroo. We started doing music placements for, for commercials with really big brands like Gap and Nike. Um, then I started a series of other businesses in, you know, from production to real estate investment and then landed in marketing for over 20 years. And when I finally landed in marketing, I often lamented the fact that I didn't go straight from Stanford or wherever I or Harvard and went straight to P&G or one of the blue chip companies doing marketing. Because I was like, well, I'm doing marketing for 20 years. Where would I have been if I had just stayed started? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But what I realized this past year was it wasn't until I founded Community of Seven that I realized that this was my passion and this was my calling and all of those numerous pivots all of those numerous like random things prepared me for this exact moment because what I'm doing right now is really kind of a fusion of creating community membership for my corporate clients. I'm really creating curriculum for them, training. Sure, sure. So it's really about personal and professional development. And even on the music side, it's like, how do you bring people together? How do you create change? Yeah, let's talk about that because I think, you know, Within the confines of Fierce Lab, we have four pillars. So we talk about career development, financial intelligence, mental health and self-care, and we also talk about risk-taking. And so as you were telling me about leaving academia and becoming an entrepreneur and multiple pursuits before you ever even landed in this field of marketing that you've been in for the past 20 years, I'm seeing a younger land making decisions and pivoting and pivoting. And sometimes women can feel like that is risk, right? And you just have a fantastic case study for why pivoting works. Because what you summarized there at the end is that you took all of these experiences and you've now layered them in to community of seven. They were your foundation. They were your building blocks. Do you you think you would be as successful as you are now had you not taken all those paths that you shared? No, I don't. I, I think it was necessary because people are always surprised when I tell them how fast Community of Seven growth has grown. They're always surprised to learn that I just started it like 10, 11 months ago. And what they don't realize is I spent 46 years building this mentally just through my experience of growing up, my hardships. And it wasn't overnight. It wasn't an overnight success. It was basically all of these different pivots and learning experiences. And the relationships that I've built through that period is what got me here. So 
those pivots were necessary. Did those pivots feel like risks to you in the moment? So that's an interesting question, Tara, because I think when I was younger in my 20s, when I was like a serial entrepreneur, I was too dumb. <laughs> and I won't, I don't mean dumb as in regular dumb, but I, I was fearless. Like you had nothing to really lose. Right. Because I, you know, yeah, I had a, you were naive a to some things probably. Exactly. You just didn't know that you didn't hear any no's. Right. Cause it was just like, well, I'm starting a business. Let me just figure it out. And, you know, and I took so many different risks and I do believe that when you take risks, you're rewarded. Right. However, as I got older, once I got married, once I had kids, once I started getting into the kind of my marketing phase, right. When I had mortgages and all this other stuff, I became a little bit more fearful. Did you also feel a bit more fearful because as your career evolved, you had tastes of success. And so you had the hardships and the setbacks that you could look back on and learn from, but you also were gaining those rewards. Like you mentioned, taking risk comes with reward. And so you start to get a taste of those and how does that success impact your desire to take risks? Oh, that's such a great question. And, and, and it really kind of aligns to purpose and values, right? My big aha moment was that I wasn't really living my purpose and values, right? Because after I left Fortune, I realized that the, the things that were really, it really crystallized what was important to me. And for me, it's my my family and my friends, which are like my chosen family, my faith, helping others and freedom. And no jobs have I had in the past fulfilled any of those. So even though I said fortune was like one of my dream jobs, right? I was working till 10 o'clock at night and I would only see my daughters on the weekend. So family is the most important thing to me. And I'm not living my values. That's a disconnect. If I'm not helping people, how is my value aligned? And one of the things that was kind of like my aha moment was just that I was in the past taking jobs because I was going to be on the executive team. I would have a C-suite title. It was the pay. It, none of it was based on my values and what was really important to and me. Fulfillment and fulfillment. In fulfillment. That way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it took a layoff to make me slow down and really understand what was fundamentally important to me. Wow. That's powerful. And you know what? That's a positive way to look at what can be a very negative aspect in our lives. Losing a job is tough. You know, it, it's a hit to your ego. It can be a hit to you financially. It can stump your career growth. And, and I don't want to say that it can co- completely stunt it, but it can slow it down, you know? And so to be able to look back on something that could be perceived as a negative and recognize the value that you were able to get out of that, it gave you a a moment to pause and recognize that your values, you weren't able to live your values through your work. Exactly. And if if you look at it, none of my values had to do with title. None of it had to do with pay, right? 
it had to do with family, being of service to others about freedom. And I suspect that that being in a service to others is a big component of why you've grown your community so rapidly. I mean, when we initially spoke, I was one of those that was shocked to hear that you're over 80,000 strong in your community in less than a year. Yes, yes. It's actually, since we spoke, we're actually now at 150,000. Oh, wow. Okay. So <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, so it's it, it's kind of grown leaps and bounds. And I think a big part of it is that I didn't base, when I built our social kind of following, because last year when I launched Community of Seven, I really didn't have a business model. I built the business just on this whole notion of how can I help as many people in my lifetime with my vision. And then I was like, let me first start with just figuring it out. (laughs) And I spent all of last year, you know, building community seven on my severance and also my savings uh, with almost zero income coming in, which is a risk. Yes. Which is a huge risk, right? Especially when you have mortgages and all that and children. And so I really focused on like the social following or like link, building LinkedIn and Facebook. And it kind of grew gradually. But all of the social posts, if you follow Community of Seven on LinkedIn or Facebook, each post, and I really only post daily, is a micro-learning. It's like, how can I help people? Because I realized that during COVID, people were feeling lonely. People were feeling isolated. And how can I make people feel less lonely? How can I give them hope? Because I know I was going to despair during this time and feeling hopeless, especially after I got laid off. So I was like, how can I be there for someone else? And so the, all of the posts are really kind of micro learnings. And also growing up, I would read, I don't know if you've heard of the daily word, the unity ministry, I think out in Utah, I forget where, but there's basically a daily prayer every day. And that helped me really in my formative years, especially when I had difficult times because each day would have a prayer. And so I kind of modeled it in terms of like creating daily motivations for people. And so I think that's kind of how it grew organically. I I didn't focus it on how can this bring me business or how can this bring me revenue? It was like, how can I help someone? And so it grew steadily from there. And now we're about 150,000. But what's even more impactful is that even just looking at my LinkedIn post, each month, my posts get between 6 million to 7 million post views. So that means I have the power to really impact millions of lives with that post, right? And I've actually had people reach out to me and say, I contemplate suicide and reading one of your posts so helped me save my life. And for mm. me, that's that's impactful. Well, yes, for anyone that's impact. I mean, that's huge. I mean, that's amazing. Okay, so let's let's really dig into what is Community of Seven? How do women get involved, stay connected? So go back. You you teed it up initially, but let's resurface this. Tell us again, Community of Seven is? So, you know, I kind of mentioned that there's two parts. We have a core community, which is our invite-only membership. And that is, people apply for that. It's most of the, our core community are C-suite executives or founders. And once you're selected into the core community, I only do four cohorts a year. So I bring in a group of 12 people in one cohort and we go through this one-year journey where we work really work on figure, figuring out what your purpose is, your values, 
and we kind of integrate that and we create this community of change makers. And the goal after the year is for each of our members to kind of either create a program, a startup, a ERG group, a program that focuses on changing the world for the better. So for example, one of our members, probably one of the most mature product, like a mem- like our um, Tiffany Wang, who's a chief sustainability officer, uh, officer of Spectrum was one of our first members. And she ended up after going to some of our community seven talks, she created the Oasis consortium. So she got funding from her, uh, her company to really tackle brand and user safety. So as you know, there's a lot of misogyny, sexism, racism, propaganda on the internet right now. She was like, how can we bring the gaming industry together, industry leaders, NGOs, you know, government officials together to really tackle this issue, right? And so that's one example or case study of of our member creating a program that then comes to really focusing on changing the world. So that's our core community is one. The other one is just a supporter members. So that's probably best for people who are, and it's a very low level members where it's only $99 a year and you can attend our micro learnings, our Let's talks, and I'm going to be starting like these coaching circles as well. Because the big aha moment for me was that there is a messy middle when you look at women and BIPOC executives advancing to kind of like more senior roles. And the big gap is really sponsorship and training and development. Because in the past, training and development has been very is very expensive, right? A executive coach can cost anywhere between four hundred to fifteen hundred dollars an hour, and over forty thousand, fifty thousand for a six month period. So that's usually re- reserved for the, the elite within companies and organizations, right? And so my question was, how do you kind of give similar training and development and sponsorship for at a lower cost? And so that was my whole notion of the the supporter kind of membership where we do like collective kind of training and development. And like, you know, we just did our Let's Talk in micro learning. We just had Anne-Marie Squillo, who's a chief brand officer and communication officer at Xerox. We just had Raja Rajamana, who's a chief marketing officer at MasterCard, talk about purpose and leadership. And so people are able to get that type of training these conversations that we have. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode. I wanted to break in and tell you some exciting news. Fierce Lab will be live in the fall of 2021. Ticket pre-sales start June 1st. To learn more, follow us on LinkedIn or Instagram at Fierce Lab or check out our website, fiercelab.tarawilson.com. Now back to the show. So you talk about the first level is more for the C-suite and you bring in the cohorts, four cohorts a year at 12 people. So that's not a lot of reach, right? The Fierce Lab listener can get involved at more at what you call your supporter member level. And you talked about your Let's Talk. It's kind of a cross between a podcast and a YouTube channel, right? And it's a, a tip and conversation with an expert around a topic. Is that a good description of Let's Talk? Close. So it's kind of like, you know, like it's not a webinar. It's literally where we will bring like anywhere between 50 to 100 
people will participate. And it's actually a conversation. So we'll have one guest speaker. So let's say it's Anne-Marie from Xerox and she comes speak and she's speaking about the importance of owning your voice, right? And then the audience can actually ask her questions. So it's almost kind of like being, you know, think about those kind of small fireside chats that you would have at a company, right? Um, where you could actually ask a question. I kind of see those as kind of like mentor group mentoring programs where you're actually able to talk to a leader and ask them questions and you could kind of learn from their mistakes and really hear their narrative. So that's our let's talk. Our micro learnings are a little bit different because those are like we might have subject matter experts or career coaches or leading experts on specific topics, but where they're really trying to teach you something. So, you know, an example of that is that, you know, we had someone come and speak about uh, public speaking, right? And they gave like the 10 steps that you need to do X, Y, Z. So the let's talk are more conversational, but these are my experience as an executive. And the micro learnings are about, this is what I want you to learn in four, five, three different steps. Sure. So, you know, from being in education that like there are different stages to learning. There's the awareness stage all the way through like mastery and advocacy. So when you when you're talking about your Let's Talk series, I'm hearing that as awareness phase, knowledge phase. And then the micro learning phase is more like what we would equate to skills and practice. So I love that. What are you seeing from your community, from women? What are they most hungry for right now in way of content around the micro learning? Is it they're looking for coaching? Is it they're looking for mentorship? What are they most hungry for? I think it kind of like each, each of our talks are bring sometimes a different crowd, right? But I think a lot of it has to do with just right now, confidence and believing in yourself. And the way I've kind of structured all of our kind of corporate training is that a lot of times in corporate training, you focus on like the mindset, the skill set, right? My focus is that is on before you tackle the soft skills like public speaking or strategy or, you know, fill in the blank for soft skills you need to first tackle the mindset, right? You first, before you can be a public speaker, you need to have the confidence, you know, you you need to be able to own your voice. Yeah, and how does a woman do that? I think part of it is having a growth mindset, knowing that your ability isn't fixed, right? Because if you believe that you're born with like innate abilities and you either have it or you don't, you're never going to want to progress. And I think the people who will succeed are the ones that understand that you can get better by putting in the work. But part of that is believing in yourself. Yeah. And that is so important. I think you hit on something very valuable, which is that with a growth mindset, you recognize that you can continue to improve and build your skill sets, build your confidence and I'm with you. I think if we can share with women that this is a muscle to be exercised, you did you didn't just come into this world with it or without it, but we can grow it. Confidence, the ability to to take risks. We have the ability 
to succeed and grow and improve. And I'm I'm a big fan of constant and continuous self-improvement. I'm currently working with a leadership coach. I've said for several years that that was something I personally wanted to work on. I knew that my own leadership skills were holding me back as a leader, as an entrepreneur. And I finally bit the bullet this year and have started a coaching program. And you're right, it's very expensive, but it's so nice to know that there are other resources available to us. And I love this concept of of micro learnings. The Huffington Post, Thrive Global, right? Just started talking about micro steps and the concept of you don't have to have this all figured out, just take a micro step. And so your idea of micro learning appeals to me. It's so funny because we just launched something called uh, a 1% challenge, which, and this is kind of harkens to my days where I would tell my team, you know, don't worry about perfection. Just keep on improving our process 1% each day. And so I kind of took this challenge with our community seven community. And I was just like, every week, the problem with people is that they make these huge, think about New Year's resolutions, right? You make these huge changes. I'm going to lose 10, 20 pounds, you know, in 10 months or two, two weeks. And then you fail and then you just feel, you know, down on yourself. And so I was like, you have to keep it small. So I asked our communities, have 1% increase, you know, a change every week in, in different areas from physical health to mental resiliency to, you know, uh, work productivity, pick, pick, pick a grid, right? And I gave my example, which is just to drink one glass of water each day. And that was my, my 1% goal. And the funny thing is that 1% goal, that small change in terms of drinking a glass of water, I started exercising more. I started to wake up five in the morning and do like my meditation, even though my goal was just to drink one glass of water a day, because when you can get success in one area, it helps with help you achieve other like goals because you get that traction. It becomes sticky. But if you have your goals too big and you're not able to reach them, you start feeling defeated. And so you don't get that traction and you just want to give up. And so I say create small little tweaks, you know, changes, and then that'll help you with your bigger changes. I like that. The 1% challenge. So if women want to engage with Community of Seven, you mentioned a Facebook group, you mentioned a LinkedIn group. Are those closed groups? They they have to be part of, say, your supporter membership so they can get involved. Find anyone community. can join. Okay. Yep. Anyone can join those pages. And, uh, and also our Let's Talk and our market learnings during the pandemic and for the near future, because a lot of people have lost their jobs. Those are all open to everyone. So you don't even have to be a supporter member. So you could just go to communityof7.com and there's an events page and you could just sign up there. Right now it's free for everyone. And if you want to join the coaching circles and some of the other members only events, and you could become a supporter member and it's $99 a year, which is probably one of the cheapest, as low as you can go for, for a program like this. But I wanted to make it affordable and I wanted to make it so that everyone can kind of like impact their lives in a simple way. Sure. I love this um, micro learning that you have coming up in May called Swagger. Unleash everything you are and become everything you want. And then How I Built My Company with Robin Wilson is one of your Let's Talks that's coming up. And then this heart work 
is the hard work. You have this coming up in June as a let's talk. And then if they go to your website, they can also see some of your past let's talk uh, sessions as well. Like, how do I get on a board? You know, that's one thing that I know I talk with women about, you know, staying connected and networking and, and how do I start to live in my purpose and, you know, getting engaged with the board is one way you can do that. So I, I love these series. Yeah, and I'd love to have you come as a speaker for one of these things too. So I'm going to follow up with you offline. Please do. Thank you. you. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would love to. You're doing amazing things. And I, I'd love maybe for you to talk about what it means to be fierce. <laughs> yes. The answer might surprise you. So <laughs> thank you. Let's definitely go there. So getting back to this community that you're growing, what do you see for the next generation of leaders? Because I know that you, your community is working with women at all levels, right? And men too. I mean, you have male members. I don't want to imply that you don't, but Fierce Lab is for women. So what's next for women leaders that you're seeing? I know the next generation of leaders are going to be really purpose-focused compared to my generation, right? They're going to be equality-minded and they're going to be fearless because I already see it now, you know, like in terms of like the next generation, like they're just fearless. And I, I think there's this kind of passion to really create a new world. And I'm really hopeful Me for too. what's next. Me too. Well, and you mentioned like when you were in your 20s that, you know, you didn't know what you didn't know. So you were fearless. And I was the same way, right? A little bit of being naive. And I often tell people, you know, at that age, the world is your oyster. You don't know what's coming at you. I mean, life's hard. There's just no way around it. You're going to have setbacks. You're going to have disappointments. Things are not going to go your way. You're going to make lots of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yes. But so in your 20s, you you haven't made those mistakes yet. So you you are really fearless, you know? I often say, "Oh, in my 20s, I, you know, the world had not handed me my head on a plate." Um, <laughs> and so I love that, you know, there's always a fresh group of women coming up that have these ideas and pursuits and they're so enthusiastic and they're not jaded. And those are my favorite women to coach and and mentor because I can impart to them a little nugget of what happened in my world, right? But I also get so much energy from them and the new ideas that they have. So what has been the most surprising to you about this community that you're building? I think the big thing is just um, how much they engage. So this is, okay, this is probably the big aha moment for me. And it's kind of connected to this, your question. In the past, when you think about social media, you think about building followers, right? I am by nature an introvert, so I don't want anyone following me. Right. But what I used to do, I'm an introvert that have always been in public facing or, you know, client facing roles. So people would always think I was social because at these big conferences or events, I would introduce people. But if you notice, I would actually introduce people to each other and then I would leave. Mm, (laughs) Okay. I didn't want to do as an introvert. I it takes a lot of energy for me to talk and speak and, you know, do interviews and stuff like this. And so. It's kind of the same notion of community of seven. I don't want people to follow me. I want them to 
follow each other and have conversations and dialogue. So if you look at the community of seven, if you follow our community of seven page on LinkedIn, look at the post and some of our posts have like 30,000 likes, but then 500 or a thousand comments and people are actually having conversations with each other in the comments. And some of the people who are posting are getting a hundred likes, 50 likes on their comments. So the people who are quote unquote, the followers are the one providing knowledge and thought leadership and all this other stuff. And I think that's what makes it powerful. It's not just me. It's not just community of seven. It's our community creating a community for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're connecting and they're building one another up and they're developing relationships and and you've just created that space. And I loved what you said. You don't want Community 7 to be about you. You don't want them to follow you. You want them to connect and follow one another. Exactly. And and that's the entire community, right? We've built a culture of reality stars and influencers. And I think COVID made people realize that a lot of that's just BS, right? My voice matters too. And I think COVID has kind of made people realize that following these false prophets uh, and these people, it's going to be it's causing a lot of unhappiness as you see it. Like girls are kind of comparing themselves to these reality stars and these celebrities. And there's so much beauty in who you are at this moment. Why be anyone else? Right. Yes, absolutely. I love that. And there's something about what COVID brought out. We we all realize that we're all essential. We're all needed. We need these relationships with one another. We need that connection. And I need your value that you bring to the table and the insights that you have. And we had an opportunity to slow down and pause and recognize that. I think that's something that a positive that came out of 2020. So we've talked a little bit about risk. What's the next big risk you're considering taking? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what my big risk is that I've burned all bridges, meaning or what, what is the, the term? Maybe I burned all, all the ships where I'm not turning like. You can, it's too late you know, to go back to corporate America. Too late. Yes, yes. Like there's people who are like, well, you know, would you ever go back? And um, I've this community of seven is my purpose. And this is what I'm doing. And this is what I'm creating. And this is my legacy. And that is my big risk because I there's no doubt. There's no like I'm going back and maybe knock on wood <laughs> two, three years. There, that might change. Yeah. You've but cut off your moment. lifeline and exactly. now you it's sink or swim, so to speak. And, exactly. and you're thriving. You're swimming. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. That's fantastic. Lan, the question that I wrap up every podcast episode with is I want to know what the word fierce means to you. So when I think of fierce, I think of the lioness, right? All of the mothers out there, like I think of my mother, she would have done anything to protect us, her kids, right? And then I think of about me and my daughter, right? I would do anything to protect my family. And 
I think a key point is that fierce is not lack of fear or being afraid. It's really about having fear and being afraid and doing it anyways. So fierce is about making your dreams come true, even though the world is telling you you can't. Mm. Wow. That's really good. Johnny's over here shaking his head, our producer. That really resonates with both of us. So thank you for that. And thank you for coming on and and sharing about Community of Seven and what led you to start the community and then how you've grown it. And then the resources that you offer for women leaders as they're looking to grow, advance, and improve because at the end of the day, it's about harnessing our power to be a change agent in this world. And Community of Seven offers a foundation to explore that power. Amen. Thanks, Mm -hmm. Tara. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Feel free to use it in your marketing materials. (laughs) I will. I will. Thanks for your time today. So great having you. Thank you so much, Tara. Thank you, Johnny. (laughs) Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fierce Lab. If you did, I would appreciate it if you would subscribe and maybe share it with a friend. You can always follow us on Instagram at Fierce Lab.